people to a brand new episode of Cinema de More. It's 2024, it's a new year, and we're doing some new things around here. I mean, we're really not that new of how we do things. But we did plan out what we're doing for the entire year of 2024, so for the next 12 months, we're going to end up talking about genres. We picked 12 genres, basically put them in a digital hat and mixed them up, and that determined what we're discussing each month. And the first month, January, we got True Crime, which was chosen by you, Chuck. Yep. So it's me, Justin, your co-host, and I'm here with Chuck. Yep. The host, because he picked today's movie, so he's the host of the episode, and that's how that usually works on this show. What made you want to talk about True Crime? Was it a particular movie, or did you just, it's the genre, you're like, I have to visit it, there's just enough shit that I can pick from it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff for true crime that you can go into. Uh, we we didn't, but I even said, like, could do a documentary in here because it's, it's still true crime. Uh, but, you know, me and you talk about all the time. We're always into that true crime stuff, watching Dateline, watching Keith Morris. He's, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a popular genre just in general. Everybody's Everybody's always fascinated by real-life happenings and... Uh, the first movie we're talking about, Zodiac, is very much, I mean, kind of going back to one of the earliest examples of the entire general public getting really into and also, you know, terrified by a real-life case that was on their TVs and in the newspapers week in and week out uh, for what this guy was doing and uh, the way that it drew everyone in, including people that aren't even investigators, uh, which this whole movie plays out like I could see an episode of Dateline with these types of characters. I've seen ones where, you know, the story's broken by just this random reporter that thought something sounded weird when the cops released a statement based on, you know, their evidence saying, well, we don't think this guy's the killer, but some reporter or writer somewhere... How many Datelines have you seen where the person is a podcaster that that actually? Uh, yeah, the especially crime? the the yeah the most <laughs> recent like the last the last five years of Dateline and 2020 and all those. There's so many times where it pops up with, with and the case was broken open by this guy and it's like it's just a guy sitting in a sitting in a booth uh, doing his thing. Yeah, you know, that's yeah that's another big thing that popped up that the uh, serial podcast that came out about true crime. Uh, that led, then led to more to movies being made about that case uh, stuff like Only Murders in the Building that the whole thing's about uh, three people making podcasts about murders that they keep happening around them and stuff like that so uh, yeah true crime's just a it's a very large genre as well I mean the movies we get into aren't all specifically about murder I think that's what a lot of people would assume too is that it's just about murder but uh, I think when we get into your movie, it's there's a lot more crime going on than just murder in that film. I believe there's there's a lot of stuff. But when I was looking at things uh, to, for true crime, I was highly considering things such as Catch Me If You Can, 
or yeah, there's a documentary, uh, which I'm going to do in documentaries, which 100% is true crime, too. Yeah. Wolf of Wall Street, I mean, that's basically a true crime movie. They were all criminals, but no one got murdered, so... I even thought about doing Hustlers or something. Like, that's true crime, too. Yeah. Them ripping off all those men. Like, it didn't have nothing to do with killing people. Yeah. So it's a it's a very it's a very wide ranging uh, genre. Uh, however, the fir- the the two movies that I picked are definitely about murder. That is the sole <laughs> the sole uh, characteristic of them. So, but you know, if anyone else wants to get out there and watch some other true crime films, it's a very deep genre. But it, primarily, the largest portion you'll see is is murder mystery type things. So, well, we we said what Robert Graysmith who wrote the Zodiac books, two Zodiac books, and is sort of the main character... Well, he is the main character for this movie. He is essentially what we discussed. He is a... In in the 60s, late 60s, 70s, 80s, he is that homegrown detective. He's the podcaster that's like, I'm obsessed with this case, and I'm going to try to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, he was a cartoonist. He wasn't even... He was at the newspaper when they started reporting these things, but he wasn't even, he's not a reporter, he wasn't a writer at all, he was, he drew political cartoons. He, he wasn't just, Paul Avery. He was not obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't, wasn't Paul Avery for sure. <laughs> but yeah, this movie, I, I, we've, I feel like this is a movie we've brought up more times than any other movie and never talked about. I feel like in the uh, years we've been talking about movies, it always gets brought up somehow somewhere about like oh yeah zodiac that's a good movie yeah we should talk about that one day and we just never get around to it well for a while we haven't discussed david fincher at all and then it took us forever to get the gone girl which i wanted to talk about for years too and that probably pushed us farther back from zodiac i still think this is probably his best movie overall uh i put it up there with gone girl which i do have to say i i forgot until i started this movie the guy that plays the first victim, the guy that was from uh, Minkus in Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World, yeah, that, Minkus. That, that that guy has maybe five film credits to his name. None of the rest of them are remotely movies you've ever heard of in your life, but somehow he's in two David Fincher movies. Yeah. Because he was in this and Gone Girl. I'm like, what? How does this guy keep getting... How do you get cast twice in in these two David Fincher movies, and then he does not act in anything else? Like maybe he has more TV credits than I've I've noticed him in, but I looked up his his film credits, and they were like seven things, and they all look like direct to DVD streaming movies that no one cares about. <laughs> Even yeah. Boy Meets World, he's on that for like he pops up late in season one, and then he's he's only in like the early years. He kind of disappears. Yeah, he was only in the first season, which I think, and I think it said somewhere I'd never watched the, the reboot thing they did with the daughter, uh, Girl Meets World. But I think it said he was no he girl. What is that show episode. called? Girl Meets World. I did yeah, not what's, watch what's that either. other show. Uh, but yeah, so he has he has like no credits. But I just thought that was interesting that he somehow popped up in, in two David Fincher movies, two of I think his best between Gone Girl and this movie. Uh, not even as a main character either. He's he he gets like five minutes in this movie, and he probably gets even less time in Gone Girl. I, his character in Gone Girl didn't even have a name; it was just Officer. Rude. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but yeah, this movie, just everything about it, 
I think works really well. Uh, this what I I guess I would say the way he shot it. This is probably the first film that I remember them making a big deal about being shot on digital. I remember that being a huge thing that they kept talking about on like uh, papers and stuff like that when they'd talk about the movie when it came out about oh it's it's digital. This is the future of filmmaking. I think even bigger than that was uh, things had been shot digital but they edited the entire movie in Final Cut Pro which is like cheap according to like cheap editing equipment as opposed to what big studios normally use so the fact that they used like the the absolute cheapest thing that they could like makes me think of Parasite from 2019 they edited it with uh, Final Cut Pro 7 so like a software that came out in like 2011 like they're like yes they did they used that extremely slow uh, (laughs) program to do this which I know Fincher the thing that they liked about it was it's weird because his attention to detail is so expensive in some manners like when they're out at the lake and they shot at that Lake Bar- uh was it Berryessa? Berryessa. Because the landscape had like no trees or or grass, like the the water was coming in and taking away huge chunks of the land. They like flew in trees and cemented them into the ground and they like hand planted like grass into the fucking <laughs> location. So you know they spent all that money on greens and then they're like editing they're like dude listen you got final cut pro you're gonna have to make it work i think the only shot they said that's not digital is uh they said all the slow motion yeah anything that was slow motion they couldn't pull it off at the time they just they were the cameras were not that good i think this looks pretty fucking good it does look clean uh we got to the stage now like in the 2020s where digital film can get all kind of different things to make it look older or make it look right or they say like some of the new red cameras well actually all the cameras I guess black magic and all of that they're they're like as good as like 35 millimeter film now they pick up that much detail so this actually looks fucking great this is probably also one of the first movies where the visual effects blow my mind because yeah there's things that you can tell are CG. They're just, you know, yeah. not per- they're know not perfect. CG. I know he did CG blood because he said, he said it would just be ridiculous to with how many takes he loves to do, like to to clean that off and redo the take every time would be just uh, impossible to do. So I know that's I know that was one thing that like especially when he's like stabbing that girl at the lake and like the blood spots show up on her shirt like that was all just digital because it would just be impossible to keep doing that shot. 70 times or however many however many takes he loves to do every shot stab anything with blood it is all digital blood it's it's insane how much detail like those are the things that they could pull off in 2020 or sorry uh, 2006 when they were making this movie is that a lot of the shit like some locations they couldn't film at so they do a lot of blue screen one street with the with the cab like that entire thing yeah it's like completely there's even shots where the cab the cab is cg like when they that scene where they pull up to the uh the woman who had been in the car with zodiac with her baby they 
like reconstructed that completely with visual effects too like they added the truck visually they put the people in even the shots of uh some of the shots that i love just the 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 sky view looking down at the taxi cab when it's driving around and it's just like straight up dead center that's such a good shot and you know what it's completely cg that's it's not they're not filming a taxi at all it's such a cool it's such a cool shot like i got today they probably would just they probably would have filmed that maybe realistically and just used a drone or something but again to get like all that detail to make the to make the streets all look the same as they did in you know 1969 or whatever year it specifically was taking place at that time uh yeah it's it makes me think of years later when they did a boardwalk empire and you find out that boardwalks only like a hundred yards and then but it's supposed to look like it goes on for miles and it's just hits a big blue screen at the end of it it really doesn't really doesn't go that as far as it looks like it does well they built it and then they after like the third season they had torn it down and was basically using cg for everything and i'm thinking like is the upkeep that hard from year to year but it was (laughs) built on an actual coast so it probably did get a lot of wear and tear for all i know salt water blowing in on it and stuff like that yeah it's but, uh, so, but yeah, visual effects blow my mind in this movie just because they're they're simple. They're and they're made. They're not made to stand out. So for the most part, they don't stand out. The only things that you know, like for sure, is when they show that Trans America pyramid being built the past like four years of time. Oh yeah. I would say that sh- the first shot very early on in the movie of the camera flying towards San Francisco. It's not the best it looks good it does look good but there's something about it where you're just like this is looks cg or weird or something like that a couple of shots over top of uh the golden gate bridge things like that like that totally look cg but nothing's distracting none of the none of the cg is is distracting uh some of the things i wouldn't even know like i thought that that first shot of I'm just going to call him Minkus because uh, Michael, what was his name? Majo. Yeah, he is uh, shot in the neck when you first see him, and it, it does look like a squib. But yeah. as you said, Fincher doesn't want to use squibs because he wants to take 500 shots. And which is this again? I will say, uh, just the, them doing everything cheaper or something like that. Is how does it look good in 2006 when they filmed this? But then, yeah, you you go to, like, much more recent things, and you'll see it in, like, The Walking Dead, and it looks like the worst effect you've ever seen in your life. And I'm like, how how did they do it almost 20 years ago, and it looked fine? And then today, they're just like, eh, I guess that's how blood looks when it shoots out of someone, and it just looks horrible. (laughs) I think it's attention to detail. For something like Zodiac, they put the time into it. I know when Fincher was shopping it around. Well, I don't know if Finch. Yeah, Fincher was already on the project by then. Because uh, what's the story? James Vanderbilt, who wrote the script, got yeah. lucky. He Zodiac was like his. It was his dream project, and at the time, it was owned by Disney. And I think he was talking to Robert Graysmith or something, and it had lapsed. So it was possible to be sold again. So they did their proposition and they got it. I don't know how much it cost, but they got the rights to do it. 
and he said that his first choice of director was David Fincher, but he didn't think that David Fincher was going to want to do it. So they were like, let's just offer him the job, and when he turns it down, then we can really start looking for a director. And David Fincher was just obsessed with the Zodiac Killer, and he's called and said, hey, we're going to have to do a, a meeting on this. But I think the first one of the first studios that was doing it or they were talking to doing it was MGM. And they wanted like a two hour movie, two hour, 15 minute movie. And they knew that they needed at least like they, they're actually pretty much spot on. I think they asked for uh, two hours and 40 minutes, which is pretty much what the length of this movie is. And you had said before we recorded the episode, but this was like a joint thing between Warner Brothers and Paramount. Yeah, and that, yeah, I think since they were splitting the money, they kind of were like, okay, you can make it a little bit longer, like they were giving them a little bit more more leeway with stuff like that, which, yeah, I'd, there, I, I'm sure there's there's always things that you could say, oh, you, you could have probably cut that out, but <clears throat> this is a very large story that takes place over a lot of years, so it's, you really do need that that runtime, and I mean, it could have even been longer. They could have added even more elements, but he does at least try to keep it. I like the way that he tries to keep it to only, only basically the facts. Like that's I know that's something that I think him and the writer said that anytime there was a question of they weren't a hundred percent sure if that was him that killed somebody or if that was really something to attach to him then they weren't going to put it in the movie or they they would only just someone would reference it but then someone else would say well we don't really know that that was him so that's why the right. only murders that actually get shown in the film are the ones that they can conclusively say were committed by this guy because he had except the, the first murder yeah the first one they don't show again yeah and the reason for the that movie. the Vanderbilt the writer said was because all the other murders there was some witness somebody that survived it or saw it and so you only ever see the zodiac killer from the perspective of survivors yeah that's why we don't see the first one because they said they don't know how accurate they could be because nobody was there they would just be guessing about what was ha what happened and what was said and i feel like that is 90% how most of these true crime detective stories start. Literally the last movie that we did uh, not Home Alone, but Memories of Murder was the exact same thing. They're investigating a murder and they say, you know what, this is actually connected to the murder from a year ago and <laughs> the exact same thing happens. Uh, actually, I would say Memories of Murder and Zodiac are very much they're of the very, same they're very DNA. Related. Yeah, There's, they're. I would 100% say, and I, just knowing like uh, Bong Joon Ho and he talks about the movies and stuff that he references, and I know he watches a lot of American cinema. I would almost be 100% sure he's probably seen Zodiac, and and probably has seen a lot of David Fincher's movies in general. Uh, that he gets some inspiration from but yeah they are very similar there's also like in both of, in both of the films you get where the characters are trying to figure out if there's a connection to some sort of outside force like the uh there's the part where robert graysmith's with his kids and they're all putting together like oh well it happened near 
you know, the Equinox or something like that. Like, oh, maybe that's related. Uh, those to weren't his kids. Cycles. Those were his colleagues. Yeah, 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 his <laughs> colleagues. And uh, they try to figure the other things out. Or, or he, he points out a theory that he has of everything takes place near some type of water or something like that. The ones on, and I think the one that didn't take place near a lake was on Lake Drive or something like that. Or, or, or no, Paul Avery says, and yeah, Washington avenue or something like that like like does, does that fit your your theory but uh washington street yeah if you read that book which have you ever read the original zodiac book i have it no i was gonna read it before we discussed the zodiac movie but the zodiac movie came at me way too fast <laughs> like i didn't have enough time to to prep for that uh but i i, I know yeah. that the they bought the rights uh to his books which was Zodiac and Zodiac Unmasked. And uh, from my understanding, Robert Graysmith is not much of a character in his first book as he is in the second one. And what they decided to do when they made the film was they kept it from his perspective. And I know there's some issues with like who they point the finger at overall, who was the Zodiac killer in this movie. Uh, there's some discrepancies, but they, for the most part, the, the filmmakers did their own research so they I guess they wrote the script and then they started meeting with other people to get things accurate or adding you know different things to the the story whether it was like a, a police report of what somebody had said or they literally brought like Tashi was there like he's still alive well yeah. I don't know if he's still alive now but he was alive during yeah, this movie filming, yeah yeah I know yeah a lot of the a lot of the suspects I know that they had all died which they obviously mention at the end of uh at the end of the film that uh Lee Allen who was the the one that they felt that it was at, by the end of this movie had passed away before they could uh they could do anything with it but yeah when I have, I read the book way before the movie came out just cuz I found it and that's that was I guess maybe the first like true crime book I ever I ever read and like after reading it it, you do start to like to really have weird theories they get much more detailed in the book of they bring up all the cases that they think could have been connected to them they they go into that one in the in the film uh that takes place i think uh i think it's at riverside california where they found the the note carved into the desk talking about mm -hmm. uh, killing that one hitchhiker and in the book they get they get way deeper and they even bring up uh, murders that they think happened in other states outside of California that they think he might have gone to, like in Oregon and I think Colorado is another one that they they think he traveled around a lot. Like some, I think some theories were that he might have been like a truck driver, so that might have been why his killings were always in different places and he he kept moving. I feel around like that's always the theory. The Golden that's, State yeah. Killer was the same thing, and he turned out to be a police officer. Uh, yeah, and. When you know where he lived, all the murders and rapes matched up perfectly to where that guy always, was at. Yeah, they were just always and where I, he was. I think that's what the biggest issue with Zodiac is, is that not the, not a problem with the movie. It it has to do with the trying to figure out, solve a murder or solve this case, figure out who's connected, get all the facts that you can possibly get, and they get so close with coincidental coincidental things that should. Like there's it's too too many coincidences that it has to be this person and has to be Lee, 
or but the, none of the evidence matches up. Like literally, yeah. it'll be like the, the the handwriting. The handwriting is a huge thing. On top of the fact that like I think Zodiac does a great job of showing how they're trying to solve this murder, these sets of murders in the late '60s, where jurisdictions become a problem uh, the fact that they don't communicate with one another at all anytime that they have evidence they're like I'll mail it to you so uh, nothing is fast yeah. uh, you know among all the no, they don't share there's a lot of departments that aren't sharing information like the information is just like they'll, they'll, be, they'll find out years later they're like you knew that five years ago that seems like very important information that we could have used to help solve it. But the forensics, there's really no forensics at this time. I guess they couldn't do forensics because like some things, the taxi murder is a prime example of, they bring up in the movie that they had that fingerprint. But then after the fact, they're like, well, that fingerprint could have been a bystander. And Robert Graysmith says, oh, the fingerprint that rolled out like 70 people might not have been the killer's yeah, yeah. fingerprint. It's like, yeah, they, they bring that up a lot. There's there's a lot of those those little things or, or some people were rolled out purely based on the handwriting. And so instead, all they looked at was, well, he didn't write his letters exactly the same. So they just automatically said, well, that could never have been the guy even though maybe there was other evidence that did connect him, but something along the lines. So yeah, it's a very, it's, it's one of the earliest ones too, of like a very, uh, a lot of technicalities. It got heavily held up on handwriting, handwriting, it, yeah, like fuck the, the whole thing this, over. That's the key to this entire movie pretty much, which, and they bring up too when he, uh, uh, the one guy, um, Philip Baker Hall's character, Sherwood, who he's the he's the number one writing expert in the uh, either in the state or at least in San Francisco, and they keep bringing him all the handwriting, and then years later, you know, he when Gray Smith goes to visit him and he tells uh, Dave Tosky that well I, I went and saw him and he was like oh that guy that's like a, a fucking alcoholic you went and visited him oh he doesn't seem too reliable, and then they bring up later yeah but he said the handwriting wasn't a match and. He says, oh, yeah, he said the handwriting match. The guy that you said's an alcoholic that drinks as much as Paul Avery and shouldn't be trusted to, to uh, judge handwriting samples. And the protege, like, he didn't want to overstep over uh, yeah. Sherwood. And he's like, you know, personally, I don't think that you, because the handwriting doesn't match, yeah. that you but roll that shouldn't out. Be the only, that shouldn't be the only factor in determining whether somebody is or is not the the murderer so yeah there's this is a, is a very and again you know bringing it back to how many episodes of dateline you've seen where there is that one small thing where you know a, a guy has an alibi or something that his best friend's like oh yeah he was with me the whole night and there's like well that could never have been the killer and until <laughs> 15 years later when they're like but it turns out he wasn't with his friend the whole night and it's like so you just the whole case hinged on that one guy saying, "Yeah, he was—he couldn't have been there because he was sitting next to me the whole night," and that's—that's that's the entire thing that rules out a, a murderer from getting arrested for twenty years or something. To me, I always remember when I grew up in the '90s, Zodiac Killer was probably the first serial killer that 
I believe it was like on Unsolved Mysteries and shit. Like it would be on programs. Yeah, yeah. He was on. He was on there. I remember. I've. I remember seeing stuff like that. Him, DB Cooper was on Unsolved Mysteries. That's. That's where everyone starts. DB Cooper about sounds. Guys. They had him on the local news, like he's close to being solved or something. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I feel like they say that every few years. They're like, we. I think we. I think we figured it well, out. Well, they said it was really funny on the local news. They said they were talking about DB Cooper, and they're like, he. There's a guy that is so close to solving it, and when they cut to the guy, who's investigating all this stuff, he's like, well, I want to <laughs> I solve <have> it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have they were tying him it, to um, Pittsburgh because of uh, metal that was like it on his tie or something like that that he had left behind. A lot of these are yeah they're they're so old that, I mean it it it's almost becomes impossible to solve the case because at this point any anyone could come up with their theories but the case happened in the sixties uh, assuming the guy was probably already in his at least at like a minimum probably. 30s at that time uh, they'd be you know in their 90s by now uh, I mean this be... movie it brings up everything that it needs to there's that moment when Toshi's leaving and he's talking to Dermot Mulroney and he says he's like I don't know if I wanted it to be true because I wanted it to be over with or because I thought it was the guy I thought I was right yeah. And Mulroney's like, you, because you thought it was the, you thought you were on the right trail, which I don't know if his reassurance was was real because you don't really get to a lot with that character at all, but that's brought up and the fact he brings it up to Jake Gyllenhaal's character who he plays Robert Graysmith, that time kills it, time kills it. Yeah. Uh, Avery, who's played by Robert Downey Jr., brings up a lot that a lot of the information from some of these letters, which they this is how they rolled out the things that weren't definitive, the newspapers had already covered it. The newspapers had covered it. A few days later, a letter was written with details from the newspaper. So, like, that is another thing that they had to, like, look, do their research to make sure that it wasn't said publicly anywhere else. Another thing yeah. I think that this movie does well, which I really like, is the fact that when you see Zodiac, uh, there's three different actors that play Zodiac. So it's it's yeah. always slightly a different person. It, it, it's not yeah. like it's John Carroll Lynch as the Zodiac. It, yeah, it, and plays, all. it plays into the fact that they're, they're almost basically saying, we're not 100% saying that it for sure definitely was this guy by not... Yeah, they, they easily could have cast him to play the murder in all of those scenes but then that would that would basically be them saying oh we for sure a hundred percent know that that had to have been him so they're leaving kind of that gray area to say we're pretty sure but we don't know a hundred percent so we're just gonna we're gonna make it it could have been these other guys which... or you can think of perspective because the because they speak and there's different voices for them it's that's how yeah. the person remembers it i think that's the best part about this movie is that's another thing that's brought up is that everybody uh, another thing where people differentiated on was people made composites so they got that they had that one composite from the kids that said they saw a guy getting out of the car but then everyone kept saying that like Lee Allen doesn't look like the composite at all so well maybe the kids were wrong then there's the all of the phone calls that he made like when he called to report his own murders 
and then they'd play voice recordings back and they'd say, hmm, no, nah, I don't think that's how the guy sounded when I talked to him on the phone or something like that. So there's, yeah, sometimes it is just a matter of perspective and memory. Like, that, they don't have anything other than to say, well, that's not how I remember him sounding. But, like, you know, he could have been... Again, he could have been trying to disguise his voice on purpose to not sound the same. And, and memory, too. They anything. bring that up. Yeah. Dateline and this movie, they bring up memory. How are you supposed to... Re- people can't even recall shit a year later, and then decades pass, and, you know, if it's something traumatic, maybe it's something that they kind of just, like, went through uh, their mind over and over and over again. But the, even then, I feel like your mind probably fills in blanks that weren't there before. It's like whenever there was a at the bank when I worked at PNC if there was a crime like if somebody had robbed at the bank the protocol is nobody talks to each other about any of the details so when they come to investigate when they're talking to the police or whatever they're talking to them individually because they don't I you know Chuck you see a a, a blue shirt and somebody's like, it was a yellow shirt. And you're like, okay, it was a yellow shirt. So you changed your mind as to what color that shirt was. So that's why they try to keep these people separated. Yeah. So when you think about it that way, and a crime scene being tainted, the crime scene's tainted by forensic information being me- mixed up, but also kind of this game of telephone. Like, people get into their mind... Cause the, the the taxi driver is a prime example of when it went out on the radio they were saying that it was a black man and yeah. later there were cops that were like we actually found somebody that fit the description of the killer but we didn't pick them up because they weren't a black man which was what yeah. the description went originally went out as and Toshi's like well he killed that guy he'd have to be covered in blood like did you not well, yeah. did you not see that he was covered in blood and like they mentioned like that would have been you know, just five minutes after the murder, like you didn't think to maybe stop the guy and ask him if he saw something or saw somebody walking by. So yeah, there's, God. there's definitely all the 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 shoddy police work going on. Uh, well, isn't that places. frustrating too? You watch Dateline like that too, and they'll be like, after 30 years, we realized we never interviewed the neighbor, and they interview the neighbor yeah. and can like instantly figure out who the killer was based off the yeah. neighbor's testimony. But yeah, this in this we see all the confirmed murders except for the first two. And but more than the murders itself because you said the runtime for this is 2 hours like 40 minutes, 2 hours and 40 minutes, maybe a few minutes longer. Yeah. And the murders are pretty much done by the 40 minute mark. Like we've seen all the murders happen at that point. I'd say about the hour we get that weird the woman that got picked up and the strange, like the stranger that supposedly you know ruined her tire and said that he was gonna throw the baby out the window and kill her. Yeah, which that's like I guess that's like the only that's the only other one that they that they talk about not being able to a hundred percent prove was the the Zodiac. I know that's another one that that uh, Paul Avery's character brings up that. The, the letter he wrote later talking about that woman came out after the initial report so that's that's the only other time in this movie that they they ever somewhat show something that isn't a hundred percent proven to be to be from him not proven to be from him but also like a good example of things that might not be connected but because we don't know we don't see the killer 
we don't understand a hundred percent what like how how they're all connected and a lot of serial killers or killers in general when they get arrested they start claiming murders that they didn't do because they want to get their body count up to be the most notorious think, serial killer yeah i think that's definitely a case here um he definitely has a lot it's probably a good thing that he existed during this time period uh instead of someone like a very similar case i would think is uh the btk killer who is another one that loved writing letters to the to the cops but what eventually took him down was he got so far to a point that he started sending uh i know they asked him something about sending uh a disc with things on it or i think it was a floppy disc and he even asked him in one of his letters or a phone call or something you can't trace those right and they said nope no way we can trace those and he was like he was dumb enough to send that to him and he sounds like melvin figure out Belli. Yeah. Yep. Can't we can't trace phones. this phone call. It, that's a that's too hard of a process. We're not we're not even trying to do that. Like yeah. So, so it's I yeah I kind of laugh at the similarities there in those two cases of, you know that was another guy who seemed more more obsessed than the killing was the sending letters and taunting the police seemed to be and getting kind of famous for being a a killer seemed more important to him and. That's what eventually did him in was uh, technology. So probably, probably at least a good thing that the Zodiac existed far enough in the in the past that they just didn't have the technology to catch him. Yeah, well, like BTK Killer, they get him in like 2005 or something. They get him probably right before this movie yeah. is being made. And then the Golden Gate Killer, which is the same, pretty much the same time as Zodiac, he same time gets caught very, a few years pretty ago. Pretty much same location. DNA, yeah, and it's like you don't know what these people have done. I think the only thing now why you don't really see the uh, like there was news. I don't know, I haven't heard anything else about it, but they believe that there was a serial killer in California that was killing homeless people. So killing homeless people at random might be really, really difficult to try to 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 solve that. But then you get the people that like did the Iowa school murders, yeah. And and he was so, like yeah, that, that's getting, time now you're gonna get caught he got caught by cameras is, and shit yeah there's there's too much uh, not, yeah again not to say that it's not possible that there are more killers out there that people just aren't putting together but uh, yeah it's almost to the point that after you kill the first or second person it starts to there's enough evidence and yeah cameras technology of cell phone tracking because. Uh, even if you don't have your cell phone, I've I've seen so many investigations of that where, well, his cell phone was turned off at the exact time that the murder happened. Like, right. okay, so that's that's almost able to be used as evidence against them that, well, why was his phone, which is almost never turned off, was all of a sudden turned off for the exact period that this person was c- killed and then turned back on immediately after the murder would have happened? You know, why... So there's there's so many things out there that it's it's almost I guess that's the one thing you can say in this world. It's almost impossible to be a serial killer nowadays. It might have been memories of murder to be honest, where there's a line, you know, they there's always they always fuck up. You just have to figure out where they made their mistake. Zodiac 2 was difficult because he kept changing. They said that his pattern did not stay the same. Yeah, I mean, he changes the, methods. He killed couple here he attacked couples three times, but then 
that taxi driver that's definitely the same guy didn't fit them didn't fit his mo and then he's like threatening to kill kids on school buses and do bombs like he was totally changing how he would do things like as he was going which i don't i guess you're a killer you're a serial killer but you're you don't kill the same way every single time like yeah. <laughs> that's that that relates back to henry yeah making me think of watching we're connecting these back to some of the, some of our previous movies but yeah that that whole scene where he's like no sometimes you got to shoot them and sometimes you got to stab them and you can't kill the same type of victim twice cuz cuz then they'll then they'll catch on to you so yeah he was i mean whoever the guy was that did this it seemed like he knew it knew at least enough about police investigations to well we know he was like, in the military so in, yeah he knew he knew enough to commit the crimes in different areas uh, because then, you know, different people would be investigating and they wouldn't think to to connect them together or share things. And he knew to, you know, change up his methods. Like, the the thing about him wearing... Probably the, the image that gets put most often in when they reprint these books and you look up information about the Zodiac is when he wore the... He wears that black suit with a black hood that's like... It is a very terrifying image. It's very creepy in the in the film when he just shows up in that thing uh but he only did that one time like he we're never we're never aware that he ever did that at any other time any other time he just dressed normally so it's like for that one time he was trying to make it seem like it was a satanic thing yeah i mean the two other times that we know it was definitely the same guy he he was just he was just a guy he didn't yeah disguise himself he just had regular clothes on yeah so it's like it's like yeah, he comes up with these weird things to to do to make it seem different enough, and it's in a different location. He knows to go somewhere else to to commit his crime. So I mean, like like whoever did it, whether it was Lee Allen or somebody else, was they were smart enough to figure figure things out. Uh, but yeah, it's well, it's like you said, like there's that one scene where uh, when they're trying to coordinate the evidence between the precincts. And they're talking about the murders, and they're like, it, it happened at, uh, what was it, Napa, Vallejo, San Francisco, yeah. just those three. And they're like, well, technically, Berryessa, too. So, like, you now you added, like, this fourth location. Yeah. And later, like, Riverside, when they're talking about Riverside, like, whether that's him or not, that they, they've spread it all over the fucking place where it's like, where, 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 how does he get around? But then you get these examples of when they're talking about, I, I, th I actually think that this movie works out pretty well by the July 4th, 1969 murder is where it starts. And it kind of is what ties everything together at the end of the movie. Like, that's really where Robert Graysmith kind of gets the ideas that it's Lee, where he's finding out that Lee lived, like, less than 50 yards away from where Darlene worked. And Darlene knew a Lee... And could they prove that it was that person? It all hinders on the and the information too. Like we get it in the opening scene where Darlene seems to notice the car, that Mustang. She knows, she knows who the Zodiac killer yeah, is. Seems to know who who's driving that car. Yeah, which yeah, because we we know she's cheating on her husband with uh, the kid that she's with, Mike, and. 
you know, he, he kind of brings up, like, oh, I thought your husband was away, and she's like, oh, it's not my husband, like, she, she knows it's not him or something like that, but she definitely recognizes it as somebody that, that she knows, seemingly, so there's a lot of, uh, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of great scenes in this movie that are really effective at Fuck the fir- the opening suspense. scene. The opening scene that's not yeah. even the Zodiac, just the perspective of the car. It literally feels like somebody's picking out their victim and then they pull up to Mike's house and Mike comes out and it's Darlene driving. It's not it's not the killer at all. It's just... yeah. yeah. And then uh I think the other what one of my favorite scenes from this movie or any other is uh when he's on the trail of when he thinks it's Rick Marshall, who's another name that that got brought up a few times by a couple different people saying, because uh, like Robert Graysmith gets a call from some unknown guy who says like, oh, you got to look for Rick Marshall. Like Rick Rick Marshall's the killer. You know, he he was telling me stuff, and then he goes through a few other people. He talks to Sherwood, who says, oh yeah, that that guy's name like Wallace or something. He he called me and he said the same thing. Like you you need to look at. You need to look at Rick Marshall because he saw, he said he saw posters from a movie theater, and he said the handwriting looked like the handwriting he saw reprinted in the, in the paper, and then he has that really great scene where he finds the, he can't like we never do see Rick Marshall in the movie ever, which is I I think works really well, but we find his a friend of his, that Robert Graysmith locates that used to work at the same movie theater, and he goes to visit him and. You know, he asks him about uh, the movie posters, which, that, yeah, everything from start to end of that scene, <laughs> like finding the guy in the rain, and that guy just, he's creepy right off the bat. And he's like, well, like, we could go to Vaughn, a restaurant. He was and the, the guy's uh, like, yeah, Vaughn, yeah, we could, we could go to a restaurant. Rick and... Marshall was the projectionist, and Vaughn yeah. was the organist. Yeah, and they worked at the silent movie theater, yeah, and he tells them, like well let's just go to my house the tip that he gets from penny i think the guy's name's penny said that yeah yeah he said that like the guy you want to talk to is vaughn talk to vaughn because vaughn had these stories about holding secret film canisters of the zodiacs um that he rick marshall's that he murdered these people so like this is another scene that's like not probably the least tied to you know anything to do with with um lee uh, arthur lee yeah alan but it but it works but, uh, it works really well it's so creepy it is so creepy like when they yeah they get when the he house. locks the door he locks that door and then it looks like he just turns a latch but like later it's like he has to unlock it with the key and uh, yeah the uh and he, br- he brings up another thing which is a very which was a uh something related to the killer the real Zodiac killer, which was that he has a basement, which they bring up multiple times, is not very common in California. Like, nobody has basements in California, but we know that Arthur Lee Allen, uh, his mother's house had a basement when he lived there, and this guy says, like, oh, I, you know, I have a basement, and I, yeah, I just love that he, that, that guy Vaughn's very matter-of-fact about everything. Like, when he, he says, oh yeah, why don't you come down to the basement and I'll show I you. I get a and, feeling like, Vaughn's like, fucking around people, with him, too. Yeah, most people don't have basements, and he's like, "I do," and then just like walks down the stairs. Yeah, I, I get the sense that that scene it plays very creepy for Graysmith, and that's probably how he felt. But he seems very offended that people would say that Rick Marshall is the killer. Like, I think he's, I think he doesn't. He keeps very, he's very, very upset. Yeah, 
like when he does the writing thing, he's like he wrote, he did the posters. No, no, I I wrote those posters. Yeah, that's probably the first really creepy moment, and the one-two punch is that he has a basement. Like one second later, and they go down yeah. there, and then like some things don't even really make that much sense when they're down there, and he's looking for his old book to see when the most dangerous game was playing, and you see the floorboards moving and shit. Yeah, it's like someone's I, upstairs. Yeah, I think that I don't think anybody was upstairs. I just think that that was Robert Grace's just from Grace's point of view. Yeah, that he was he was just so so terrified of everything. Because like, think yeah, how creepy that guy is when he turns the light out, like when he's mid speaking and he just grabs that that yeah. light over top of him and pulls the string to turn it. Like, <laughs> and he's like chuckling when he lets him out of the house. Like he's, I I don't know what he is. I don't. I think it's like you said it's perspective of Robert Graysmith and he's scared but I feel like nothing really made it say Vaughn was the killer it was just yeah just the setup to it so you watch I the last two times I've watched the director's cut and uh, I don't even know what the hell has been added to it I was thinking but I can't remember I did see this I in theaters I saw this like opening yeah. weekend I, I literally saw this when Grindhouse came out I think I don't and, think it's very much. I think I think there might be like a couple extra shots during the murders of showing or showing a little bit more blood, but I don't think there's a ton because I think the runtime from the regular cuts like two hours and thirty eight minutes, and the runtime of the was next, there more the Brian like Cox? Because I feel like there was Brian Cox that I wasn't used to seeing so much. Oh of. yeah, maybe maybe there. Might Him be hiding in the car is funny too, where they're like, we want. Yeah. Melvin Belli, and he's like just in the back, and yeah, you can oh. sit up. You I know. mean, even the stuff. Yeah, you're you're fine. But yeah, for him, you get like it's just all this fucking information. I, I and I like how the things play out where Robert Graysmith is just talking to people and coming across shit that he's like, what the fuck? How did nobody get past this? Like when he goes to Belli's house after all these years to talk to him about the phone call and the maid's like, no, I was the one that had the phone call with the Zodiac. And he's like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. And he did, he figures out that he was, he said his birthday and he was born between December 18th and the 20th. And, uh, that lined up with, uh, Alan because yeah. he was born on, uh, December 18th, 1933. So it, it could very well be him, but I don't know. I don't know if they're talking about the suspects in the newspaper at all when somebody found out his birthday and just, you know, mentioned it for some disinformation. Plus, you get the copycats and stuff like that, so... Yeah. Who fucking knows? Yeah, this movie... Um, I, don't think, I don't think we've mentioned it yet. We've, we've, like, brought up some of the characters and actors here and there, but, like, this movie has, like, a ridiculous, huge cast of... Like even the smallest roles are played by somebody you know. Like there's not again the the Brian Cox role is he's in the movie for five minutes total, but they got you know they got Brian John Carroll Lynch is in the movie for five minutes total. You don't ever see yeah. John Carroll Lynch. <laughs> yeah, there's there's hardly uh, Dermot Mulroney's not in the movie really that much for for his role. There's so many people that are in this movie for just a brief period of time. I mean the three. Pretty much the three, uh, the main character, I guess you would say, is is Robert Graysmith, Jake Gyllenhaal, 
and then the other two characters are that are would be like the main characters are uh, Mark Ruffalo is uh, Dave Toski and uh, Paul Avery played by Robert Downey Jr. But they're surrounded by so many like name actors and known mm-hmm. faces throughout this entire film who, who yeah, are only in the film for the briefest period of time for almost, what's his name Anthony Edwards like from Top Gun yeah he's he's his partner Toski's partner uh Clea Duvall plays like a random it was like Darlene's sister or something like that at the end of the yeah movie. there's all these people Linda. you know from things yeah that are just here and there and it's just like oh okay and I I forget half the guys are in here uh Elias Cody's and Donald Log is the yeah. two the two police chiefs for the other the other two uh police stations in Vallejo and uh Napa I think just everyone shows up and they're just here but it just, it just works it works well like there's all these great character actors and I don't know they all just work so well together disappointed this movie I feel like this movie should have gotten nominated for more awards for any any one of these guys or anything else in the film I mean I this is the year of No Country for Old Men and, and There Will Be, be Blood, Blood right we've talked about 2007 so many times it was like uh, yeah uh, Atonement came out that year like so many so many big movies Atonement or Zodiac year. ah Atonement we'll nominate it's, Atonement it's a toss up yeah it's a toss up there but Another thing that kind of blows my mind with this movie, and maybe it doesn't blow my mind knowing more about David Fincher the longer that I live, that he's such so attention to detail type of person. And I think this is probably one of the most accurate movies that they have. Like, even if if a a chunk of this movie is, we're going to say it's Robert Gray Smith and uh, Dave uh, Toshi's perspective. So it's the evidence that they see that leads them to... Arthur Lee Allen we are are getting like the details from like everybody's wearing accurate costumes like Darlene and Michael from the very first thing that you see they got all their clothes from like the crime report and they said that's why they added the line about him wearing so much clothes because he's like yeah they said the body had like fucking four or five layers of clothes on when uh they found him and they said there were conspiracy theories about it had he been wearing extra clothes for protection. I'm like, that doesn't fucking make any sense at all. But then they said there's the theory that he was such a small guy that maybe he wanted to beef up a little bit by <laughs> yeah, to try wearing to more. Bigger. Yeah, and the costume designer was actually pretty clever with they just like sewed in like extra collars and stuff yeah. in the pant legs to make it look like he was wearing more clothes than he would. Because, I don't know, I think that guy would fucking die and in the summer. I mean, I guess it was night. It was yeah. July 4th night. It's a good 4th of July movie, too, if you want to pick something for the holidays, you know. <laughs> that, yeah. Jaws, Jaws will build, lead you up to it. Then you can watch Zodiac and Independence Day. It's great. Finish it off with The Shining. Yeah, The Shining is, yeah, you are right, The Shining, which it's always gets, July, everyone mixes it up with New Year's. Like, I don't know who edited yeah. that. I'm like, stop it. It wasn't New Year's. They were closed during the winter. I saw someone do it again. Yeah, I saw someone do it again recently. Somebody posted a thing, and they photoshopped Stephen King into the picture, too, for some reason. They were like, and I saw people be like, well, I never noticed Stephen King was in. That's really cool. And I was like, it's because he's not in the movie. But, uh, 
the bit stuff's funny because uh, there's that scene where he's in the um, Vallejo police department and Elijah Cotier's like says like you can't take pictures you can't write anything down he steals his pens yeah. so he's um he's uh like running out to his car he like runs down the street to write down as much information as he can remember which I thought was like an interesting way of like this guy is has to memorize all this shit and he says there's a this like nobody character just this like random deputy and he's like who is that guy and Elias is like oh don't you know that's the that's the new guy that's just gonna solve the uh yeah, the Zodiac case. The case and he's like oh well good for yeah, him good for him yeah and uh that ends up being the guy at like the very last shot where he yeah. meets up in the Ontario airport and he finds Michael who's played by a, they swapped out the actors I'm surprised Jimmy Simpson, yeah. Jimmy Simpson, and they do, like, the photo line. Do you recognize him? And it is another great mo- Like, that's probably a... I mean, I kn- it's it's the resolution of this movie, which is just a short little scene. But it, like, points to John Carroll Lynch and says, that's the guy. But he had a rounder face like this guy, and he's, like, points to the guy next yeah. to him. It, and he's like, is it this guy? And I, I can't remember his line. He's like, how sure are you? He's like... I'm yeah, sure that yeah. that's the guy that shot me. Yeah. Yeah, this is a... I don't know. Yeah, I really... Every time I watch this movie, I just enjoy it. It's just a... Uh, you just it, enjoy he it. Do, he does like... He does it's a great, feel-good I movie. I love his... Uh, <laughs> you brought up earlier the... Uh, he does his great uh, time-jumping things. He does it twice in this movie. The one is the the tower being built, and you just see that all in CGI to cover that there's been a a four-year time gap and then later he does it with it's just a black screen playing news reports that's another like one a, i was wondering like if it went on longer jump. in the director's yeah, cut because maybe it's it's a black screen i i do remember it in theaters because i did feel that it was long but yeah they're doing like nixon i'm not a crook and it's just like all this yeah. time pat like four years sure, pass between moved, the time yeah. i also uh like that they they do bring up the fact that the this movie, or not this movie, but the case was the inspiration for uh, the first Dirty Harry movie. Yeah, and a lot of the a lot of the plot details are exactly from letters that he sent uh, that the Zodiac killer sent. Uh, but I do really, I love their interaction at the end uh, uh, when Robert Graysmith comes out of the movie theater and Toski standing there, which we they also well, yeah, like this is like the hour the, fifteen minute mark, and he's yeah. finally meeting Dave Toshi. Yeah, and he's the they bring up earlier that that he's the reference for Steve McQueen's character in Bullet, which takes place in San Francisco. Uh, they call him Bullet in the movie. Yeah, people people call him that after the after that movie came out. Although they they seem to very much call him that in a mocking way. Like I know Paul Avery calls him that. And he's like, yeah. When he says, yeah, Hey bullet, it's been a year and a half. You're going to solve this case or what? Like he's like, everyone mocks him that way. But, and you do get that sense that, uh, that him as a, as a cop, he does, he thinks that way. Like, like, Oh, wouldn't it be great to, to just, you know, shoot the cut, shoot the bad guy and, Mm -hmm. and get away with it and be like, Oh yeah, that was great. You know, I'm, I'm doing this when, because when he when he tells him uh, he he shot him in the chest at the end of the movie and took him down and he has that line of 
<laughs> yeah, who cares about due process, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you get that yeah. sense. You get that sense throughout the movie that that he very much is like he doesn't want to say it, but there are times where you know Dermot Mulroney's character is the chief's telling him, "Oh, we we can't do that," and he's like, "Well, is there like a way we could get around the rules to maybe like search his place or something like that?" Like, come on, we're we're sure he's definitely the guy. Like, let's just maybe bend some rules and we'll uh we'll get in there. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I wanted to say too is I remember when when we were. At- working at Hollywood video and this movie came out like so many people were disappointed because they wanted it to be like a slasher movie they wanted it to be from the yeah. perspective of the killer or something they wanted more and, murder which again it's he his only confirmed victims there weren't a ton of them so there can't be yeah there wasn't murder. a ton and yeah and for the runtime most of this movie this movie quickly when it actually focuses more around Robert Graysmith the subject of obsession and how it really kind of ruins his his life, and I think Robert Grace Graysmith said that had somebody else had written a book, he probably wouldn't be as obsessed with it. But he felt that like somebody had to do it, somebody had to dive into it. I do like how when they keep when we keep fast forwarding through his life, his first date with Melanie, and he's distracted by the Zodiac killer, and he's got a go get this phone he's got to wait for this phone call at his place and um she's interested in him then and even though he's doing the same shit years later she's just like lose she really seems to be the most uncomfortable with it when she's like robert are you stupid you put yourself in the newspaper or you're on the tv talking about it i mean you go back to like it's it's weird how jake gyllenhaal's character kind of doesn't care anymore he doesn't care about his own safety um he's surprised when she takes the kids and goes to her mom's or whatever the hell it was earlier in the movie Avery does a similar thing where he basically puts himself out there and they're like why why would you why would you do that now the zodiac's gonna be on to you and he has to get a he gets a gun so that he's safe and I love that scene where like it's just small but uh, Robert Graysmith has the button on that says I am not Avery <laughs> like so he does like I'm guessing people were wearing that at the San Francisco Chronicle that so they wouldn't get shot <laughs> I am not Avery don't come after me oh I love in this movie too where when he meets Robert Downey Jr.'s Avery character at Morty's that kind of go over the case and he's drinking the the blue drinks and he's like <laughs> I can't remember what it is Aquavera or something like that Yeah, and he's like he's like he tries it and it cuts to like multiple green drinks later <laughs> and it's really funny because I think his next movie is Social Network, and there's like a very similar scene with Apple Teenies. It's the same fucking thing. <laughs> it's like this bright green drink, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I'll have an Apple Teeny too," and they all like <laughs> they crush them. This too, I am a huge fan of Mindhunter. I think that Mindhunter is a fantastic show, and I feel like it wouldn't exist without the scene from this movie where they're in. Uh, they're interviewing John Carroll Lynch's uh, Arthur Lee Allen at that oil uh, company. And 
it's the closest that they get to anything like Mindhunter. Because in Mindhunter, they're trying to uh, kind of get a profile for what a serial killer is. And the way that they, they do it is they start having interviews in jails with a lot of these big notorious serial killers that they have caught. Uh, the white whale on that is the BTK killer, which they would fucking get. They're just decades behind. But you watch that scene with John Carroll Lynch, and you're like, this is 90% of what Mindhunter is, where they're just being creepy. And that scene with John Carroll Lynch is fucking phenomenal, I think, where, you know, he's he's got the Zodiac watch. Everyone's um, looking at his shoes because they, cause they got footprints. Everyone's looking at his shoes. Yeah, and he says that like that line him. that was also uh, he called he's like I can't wait for the day that they stop calling the police pigs and I'm like, oh, like yeah thank you which is like which is like it's it's like he's trying to you know he's trying to like hint uh, that he's actually he's throw off there. because yeah because in all of his in all of his things he kept calling the cops pigs in all the letters so it's like he's trying to he's trying to throw them off but the evidence gets fucked too because they even bring up later in the movie that. Within 48 hours of that interview, he had cleaned out his place and he moved. Yeah, they got he got rid of. So so yeah, anything when they, yeah when they finally do investigate his his trailer, his Santa Rosa trailer. When moved, yeah, when he moved out, uh, and they I mean they find guns and the squirrels. That's I always laugh at that scene when they squirrels go, in the fridge. Like they just everywhere. open it up. What's in there? Squirrels. Yeah, uh, fucking squirrels. And it's like, but they find like all this stuff. But it's. You know they 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 find guns, but none of them are the guns. The that windbreaker that matches kill. the windbreaker he would have worn. Yeah, but they're not. It's it's probably a new oh one oh yeah too. When they're talking about him, and he brings up the bloody knives, and he's like, "Oh, that was from I killed a chicken. Those those yeah, knives. I killed a chicken the other day." He's like, and, like, and I did have a witness. Knives. My neighbor did see me. Yeah, and they're like, "Yeah, well, he's dead now." He's like, "Yeah, isn't that bad? Isn't that suck?" Yeah. <laughs> the, the the scene with him, yeah. Every every scene with uh. With John Carroll Lynch is great. Although that's that's like the only, that's like his only real scene. The other, the other two times we see him, he doesn't say anything or well, he says, "How can I help you?" at the at the end. The uh, the one time you see him, it might not not even be him. It's just uh, yeah. the back of somebody's head. Could be someone else, but uh, when they, yeah, when he shows up. But the scene yeah, at the know, end, I like... think, is just as fucking good, even though he doesn't say anything. I know it's. Uh... I know it's just a. Obviously, it's still only a theory because they they never could close this case because he died before they, before they could uh, do another interview because they wanted to talk to him again after, after uh, the character uh, Mike identifies him in that lineup at the airport. They immediately wanted to schedule a a sit down interview with him, but they just never got the chance because he died before they could do it. But I mean, the evidence they put forth that this guy is the killer is all very strong again other than they say that from then the one evidence of the expert says the handwriting doesn't match but from he's the, ambidextrous like his birthday his birthday matches the the phone call when the person said uh you know i'm gonna kill on my birthday like the fact that he knew one of the victims personally like probably for sure because he lived right next to where yeah. she would work the he was in the yeah, navy he he was in all the locations that the murders happened at the times that they happened. Like that all lines up pretty much exactly. Yeah. He had the military training. He has a Zodiac watch that he wears. Like he has, and then you had the reports from all the people that worked with him 
of like him talking about referencing like like you know if i were to kill somebody i'd tape a flashlight to my mm-hmm. gun and then i could kill them at nighttime and they wouldn't even know who was there or something like that and and the misspelling things like i, th- I know his, his brother and sister-in-law are like yeah he thinks it's funny to misspell things when he writes letters or something like that like they they specifically bring up because he spells Christ Mass with like two S's at the end. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're like he wrote that in one of our Christmas cards one time. He thinks it's he thinks it's hilarious because he thinks he's so smart or something like that. So, like, there's so much evidence again, other than the couple things that they used to discount and the fingerprint as well that they that they kept saying wasn't a match. Which, uh, going back to like the technology thing, that was when they still would have been doing fingerprints by literally having a guy with a magnifying glass being like, <laughs> doesn't look the same to me. Like doesn't look, I, I, I don't think it looks uh, correct. It's not even like a computer was doing it. But yeah, well, like, then they even talk the about like the other things that line up. It's kind of similar to you saying like on Dateline now, how they leave their phone at home. Why'd you leave your phone at home? They say that, you know, you don't hear from the Zodiac while Lee's in prison. in prison. And uh, what, yeah, you don't hear. And then they said, "Well, he stopped sending uh, evidence because he cut that swatch of of like a bloody shirt off of the taxi yeah. driver." And they said he probably got rid of all the evidence after you talked to him. It wasn't yeah. worth holding on to and having that stuff. And after the after the interview and the uh, the whole thing about handwriting, all of his notes that he started sending him were like he sent typewritten things in, like the. The letter that he sent Tosky, like apologizing to him mm-hmm. or something, was a hit. Was a typewritten note. He wouldn't give any more handwriting samples. The movie heavily points towards Alan. Uh, I have a question. Why do you think his name was like misspelled on his name tag at the end? What in what way? It says Lee, L E E. That's not how he spelled uh, it. I assumed it was probably just. Uh, I assumed it was probably just. I mean, I've seen people that like. Uh, it's probably easier for him to put that on or something. Or maybe they already had one made up because they had a guy named Lee before or something at the hardware store that he worked at. But I assumed it was probably just because you get people that are like, what is that? Is that Lee or Lay or something like that? To just yeah. be like, oh, just put it on the name. Your name's Chuk? Like it's, it's it's Chuck, yeah. thanks. Yeah, so you, you get stuff like that. Yeah, I do love the scene where he's uh, where he's so obsessed when he goes to visit the Linda and she's like, yeah, there was this weird guy and he was very awkward and he yeah, he showed up we were all painting the house and he showed up in a suit and then he just sat on the couch being weird and like he had like a real short name what's a like painting a party oh that's where people come over and paint your house yeah. that sounds like well, a terrible, sounds terrible party yeah <laughs> and he's like his name was rick right it was rick it was rick you you know a rick and she's just like no it wasn't fucking rick stop saying rick i mean that's the most dramatic stuff where like he's leaving it was lee like yeah you get to Dave Toshi where he's like, yeah, but like, it's not a big place, but Lee is common enough a name of a name. Do you can you uh, prove yeah. that it's that Lee? Could have been, yeah. Oh, and he's fucking hilarious too. When after they meet af- after Dirty Harry, and he's like, I can't give you that information, so I wouldn't tell you to go talk to Ken. Yeah. Uh, Carl, like, don't. <laughs> they like he keeps giving yeah, him hints of like, guy, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then he's pretty on board with it until his his career gets like fucked over because they accuse him of writing the Zodiac letter. They think he was writing some of the letters to, to get more famous, which plays into like they, like everyone looks at him and says, Oh, after bullet, he wants to be more famous. Like he wants people to know he's bullet. So he's, 
He's going to yeah. write letters to himself and make himself big. Because he included his name, and the name was included into it personally. Yeah. I do like how you did say it a little bit. Like, so, uh, if you ever do watch Dirty Harry, which they do see the Dirty Harry movie, it is actually funny that he goes to see that movie and Robert Grace must have the same exact fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Dirty Harry is based on a lot of the Zodiac shit that they could piece together generically, like the school bus threat. Uh, yeah, his that's name a is he- Scorpio. Scorpio is a f- hilarious name. He's shooting people from the Fairmont Hotel roof. Like, yeah, it's he- heavy, heavy of that time. Uh, it must be weird because it's like, yeah, the year and then the time goes by. And they keep bringing up, like, I think it's, is it Avery who brings it up? And he's like, you know, more people have died in uh, the Bay than there has been people that have been killed by the Zodiac killer. Yeah, it's like more people get in car crashes every day than than the Zodiac ever killed. Like, why is everybody, why is everyone still so obsessed with this guy that, you know, in all likelihood didn't really kill that many people, but everyone still goes crazy about trying to figure out who it was. Yeah. I mean they he nailed this cast. I mean this is Robert Downey Jr. when Robert Downey Jr.'s like this is like, like before, I feel uh, like the Iron beginning Man. of his comeback. Yeah. He did like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, this, and then he took off with all the fucking Marvel movies. Yeah. And uh Ruffalo I don't even remember Mark Ruffalo in anything before this. And then he was in all the Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Jake Gyllenhaal, then Jake he Gyllenhaal. was in a Marvel <laughs> movie. Getting into those Marvel movies, so it's like, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny too. Um, so like, I watched the the bonus features of like behind the scenes of them making the film, and everybody for the most part is talking very nice about David Fincher. <laughs> I think there's one part where the costume designer is talking about the the executioner hood that Zodiac's wearing at, at Lake Berryessa, and David Fincher told him to remove, he, or he can't remember, add one line of thread from around the eyes and he's like so one string of thread i have to remove and he's like yeah just just remove that one thread and he's like okay and even from this from they shot mindhunter in pittsburgh and the people that have worked with him it's like he is insane to detail that like like they said at the san francisco chronicle they remade all the newspapers like they said you could grab a stack of newspapers you could grab the 20th copy down open it up to page four and it's an exact replica of the newspaper from that time you could actually read it but yeah like the attention to detail with that and uh, they said when he they actually shot it at at lake Berryessa too and he wanted the exact location and i guess when um one of the detectives or whoever the hell they had brought him out there to be like, this is where it happened. Um, somebody was like, David Fincher's like ducked down. He's like grabbing the dirt. He's doing weird ass shit. And then he stands up and he's like, I, I think it had to be farther down the, the, the coast here. And they're like, Oh, you're, you're right. You're right. He's like, cause I could hear the traffic. And he's like, I think uh, people would be able to hear the screams from here. So this, this couldn't be the, this could not be the location at all. <laughs> I mean, even the, um, like everything in the behind the scenes footage is Jake Gyllenhaal laughing and enjoying his time, but they made it sound like him and Robert Downey Jr. just couldn't stand the takes. Like there's a, they take uh very early on in the movie where he throws his book down on the passenger seat. They did like 36 takes of that. And you can see that in the feature bonus features where he's throwing it down, throwing it down, throwing it down. And Jake Gyllenhaal's like, what the fuck is different? 
There's even a scene where like uh, David Fincher puts his head in the window and he throws the book down. Like it's just like throwing it, throwing it, throwing it, throwing it. It's like Jesus Christ, how many times am I gonna throw this book? And I think it was the writer that says, "Hey, we spent how many years developing this script, researching it for accuracy, uh, getting all the costumes and the locations accurate." You might as well make sure the sh- you have the actors. You might as well make sure that you have the shot that you want. The production companies are all excited about digital. It's like, fuck, he's not using real film. Let him film it a million times. Who cares? Like, like yeah. I'm sure before when it's like he's burning through film, and they're like, man, you got to calm down with those takes. We can't keep can't keep spending all this money on film every day. Yeah, they use the Viper cameras for this, which I'm not really familiar with the Vipers. Everything that I use that's digital like they're always using the the re alexas those are the things those are like the number one digital camera that they use because they're probably the most reliable it's like a year or two before that first red camera came out uh which soderbergh used the shit out of it but he shot his whole film che with it where they didn't even need they didn't use any lighting whatsoever it was just all natural lighting because digital cameras at the time couldn't even like comprehend that much information (laughs) And now they're like the red cameras and this black magic cameras. Like they they hold so much deep. They're fucking. They're well, actually, you know what? They're expensive cameras, but they're still kind of cheaper in the long run when you think of like just film processing in general and how long that that all takes to do. Uh, but it is weird because Fincher's like he's a snob but not when it comes to digital he's not like christopher nolan and tarantino who's obsessed with it has to be film it has to be film and i think we're at the point where like in 2007 it probably had to be film like you couldn't fake it but now there's enough programs and shit that you could put over top of it to make like everything look authentic like if you want grain you can add grain and the grain's not going to repeat itself it's going to be totally like it's going to pick like a one in several million uh, patterns of grain to make it like an end of like a, its own thing. I think Fincher, I don't know what it is with Fincher, but his movies are always fantastic. And I'd like to understand why. I mean, he's the, he's probably one of the best directors that are non non writers. I don't think he's written anything unless he's tweaked up his dad's script for Mank. I can't remember what we said. Mank's probably his worst film, in my opinion, and it's not about, not, I mean, it's not what I, it's not that interesting of a movie, I don't think. Yeah, that's what, that's what I Or Alien 3, he hates Alien 3 because he basically was the studio's bitch and didn't have a lot of say in what was on screen. I don't know, I still don't even hate Alien 3 that much, it's not great, and it's definitely not as good as Alien. Alien 3 is, is, is fine, I think it's, the thing that's bad about Alien 3 is the, the way that the story went, because they couldn't get the cast back, Yeah. the movie itself's fine, and all the footage of the dog wearing that costume is fucking hilarious, Hilarious. where the dog will not, he won't, yeah, like, he doesn't do what they want to do, they're like, he's fine with the, um, He's fine with the costume, but once you put the mask on his head, he yeah, hates he put the it. Head on and he but, freaks out, yeah. But yeah, it, it reminds me of like the footage. They show the footage of him being like happy, and they're like his tail's wagging too much. You can't show that. It does make me think of like Day for Night, where they keep throwing the fucking cat out, and they're like yeah. trying to get the shot of the cat like five hundred times. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I would agree. I think the Man- I think Manx. Like again, I wouldn't even say it's his worst, but it's my it's just my least favorite, just because I don't. I don't specifically think the story is all that interesting. It definitely is more of a, 
he was doing that movie because it's something his dad was obsessed with more than anything else. Like, I, I don't think he, he would have made the movie just on his own otherwise. But He wanted to make a movie that took place in a time before Zodiac, which was his earliest time, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he had to go, well, no. <laughs> I have to do uh, something that that's in the Benjamin 30s. Button? When's Benjamin Button? Is that technically? Oh, uh, you know what? Benjamin Button might start in, like, I think I feel like it starts 1912 like or, or some shit like that. Yeah, it's, I think it starts, like, really, really early. Because he, he, I think, like, the one of the last things, one of, like, the last moments in the movie is he's, like, growing younger or something like that is uh, the fucking moon landing or something like that. So it's, <laughs> I know it starts, it starts pretty early. I mean, it is the writer of Forrest Gump, so they do tie in a lot of gotta, real yeah, world you events. In the historical, the, the historical moments. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta have those in there. But uh, that's why he got that job. That's why he was hired for it. I mean, if you think about it, he everything snowballed from the fact that he did Seven. He got Zodiac because of Seven, and then he did pretty much everything you see in Mindhunter was because of Zodiac. So. And he's really good at that. Like, he's really good at the... I think the attention to detail for that shit is important. And I like how he he constructs a scene whenever it's, like... Uh, we know the Zodiac's there, but we don't we can't really show them because it's a part of the memory that, you know, wasn't there. It feels like... It feels like it. Like, that very opening shot where Zodiac's shooting uh, Darlene and Mike. You can see the actor's face. But he's just dark enough that like you can't you can't really grasp on the on the who he is and then it doesn't matter anyways like we said they they keep replacing the actor there's three different actors that play the zodiac killer and it's never like john carroll lynch or anybody else in, in those roles but uh yeah generally like i can't fincher like even he doesn't miss like and even if the subject matter is weird like i never thought the fucking Facebook movie was be as good of a movie as it is. It's an <laughs> excellent movie. And then, like, he, yeah, currently The Killer. It's on Netflix. That's another yeah, great. His most recent thing, which I just watched, I watched to go along with this, and I thought that was a great movie. Michael Fassbender's great in it. It's, like I said, I, I actually want to say that maybe his most comedic film that I've ever <laughs> seen from him. Like, it is, it's a genuinely funny movie for a lot of a lot of moments in it and then it's also a very disturbingly violent film in a lot it's of moments. basically that shot from Mulholland Drive where the actor the assassin accidentally kills the like the person through the wall and then the cleaning lady shows up so it's just like total chaos and David Fincher said I'm gonna make that into an entire fucking movie. A movie yeah <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, maybe we will discuss it. And unfortunately, I it's based off of a comic book. It's not a true story, and uh, yeah. doesn't fit. He loves that. Like he wanted to do a torso for a while, and he never. I know. With Jake Gyllenhaal was in the was supposed to play the the main character Elliot Ness in that film. Uh, he hired Jake Gyllenhaal for he loved Donnie Darko. They said, and I just yeah. love things like that where he's just like, oh yeah, that's. I gotta get Jake Gyllenhaal for this role. Gotta get Donnie Darko in. And I don't even know his best role for me is probably Prisoners. I think, and, and he's not even the best character in Prisoners. Yeah, it's Paul Dano now. Terrence Howard, obviously. Yeah. Well, it's like we haven't discussed the movie, but the uh, the Batman that came out. I'm just thinking about because Paul Dano. Yeah. That's another movie that's tied very heavily to the Zodiac, where yeah, 
like in that scene in Zodiac where he he's on the sh- on television and he does that like scream and they're like what was that he's like those what how does he word it those were the um I don't say the voices in his head his he's, headaches yeah he said yeah they were his headaches. headaches they're my headaches and yeah. I th- feel like Paul Dano based his entire performance off of that one scene in Zodiac where he screams yeah <laughs> like, like that's but I think that's where he figured it all out yeah this movie great goes from uh, their obsession to he pulls the Jimmy McNulty from the wire and gets his kids involved and the you know helping try to figure this shit out I just think like it is a perfect detective movie where like every you keep coming back to the evidence and everything and at the end of the movie I'm pretty satisfied with it being Arthur Lee Allen and even if real world events are saying that it it might not be him uh, I think from the perspective of the protagonist that it's it's good enough in this movie that they can that they point the finger at that guy Plus, it's not like they ruined his life or anything. He was a pedophile, which they kind of gloss over the fact that he was a pedophile. Like, he's a pedophile. Nothing happened to him. And I guess there's no uh, uh, sex offender registry at this time. I probably have plenty of more to say, but I'm fine with shutting up now and not really saying anything else. I think we've covered all the big points. Yeah, and even if we didn't go see it, go check it out. Um it's a good detective movie. I think people were disappointed because they, some people thought it was going to be like a slasher. A lot of people do think that it's his best movie. A lot, a lot of people I see said that they love Zodiac. I think it just came out. Like you said, 2007 was like another strong year for movies. So it had a lot of competition and maybe unfairly, or, you know, if you like based on a true story shit, this is probably the most accurate based on a true story that you're going to get. We'll be back next week with Foxcatcher. Also Chuck's pick. Two for two. We're doubling yep. down on Mark Ruffalo. We're doubling down on Mark Ruffalo. We're back in Pittsburgh for filmmaking. I'm in it, uh, but not really. Like, I'm there, but I will talk about it when we talk about the thing. I'll talk about my day as an extra on Foxcatcher. Yeah, we're back. True crime for two more weeks. And then uh, maybe something special for Groundhog's Day. I don't know. We'll see. Good conversation, Chuck. I always love talking to you. Hopefully everybody else that's listening enjoyed it. Thank you. We are Cinema Demore. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening.